welcome to episode 191 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. And this is the Astronomy Friends, What Are They Good For? episode. So uh, so Shane, our, our, our good friend Mike, he actually made this suggestion. And uh, maybe I'll start with a question. Do you ever feel like you're being watched, Shane? <laughs> Some, sometimes uh, my dog perches on the stairs and, and there you go. You know, I is guess. observing me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you've you've got observing friends. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, and the no jokes. Jokes. The jokes no continue. Jokes. <laughs> yeah. But but personally, you know, I, I think it's important to have uh, real world astronomy friends to go out and uh, and do this kind of stuff. Well, I don't know. Where where do you sit on this? Do you think you should have a real world astronomy friends or just sort of hunker down and observe in the celestial wilderness solo. Well, um, again, this is a, this is a hobby. You do what you want to for me. Yes. I really enjoy observing with other friends. Um, some of the highlights for me are, are when, you know, we get together, whether it's, you know, at your new site or if we go down to grasslands, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of fun. And, it, it, it just, it adds like another element because not only are you doing some astronomy, but we're having a lot of laughs and good conversations and, and, uh, I really enjoy observing with other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Um, and there, there's some pretty practical reasons too. Um, you know, apart from just like the social aspects or whatever. Um, but it, it it's a lot of fun. Like you were saying, totally agree with that. Um, safety as well. And, uh, and it also accelerates your learning. Like, you know, there, there's nothing that's going to make you a better observer faster than observing with a variety, a wide variety of people. Eh? For sure. You know, you, you learn about other objects that you, you may not have been aware of, or that you don't have on any of your observing lists, but your observing friends may be looking at this stuff. And, you know, the, the nice part too, is when you're all out together, um, you know, you just walk up to their telescope and have a look at what they've found. And, uh, yeah, it certainly can accelerate your learning. Um, uh, even, even just seeing like different observing styles, you know, how people like to use their gear or how they like to look at objects, you, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can learn. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. And, and like just sort of building on that, um, you know, and, and one of, one of the ways that I learned really the way that I learned to sketch and it's not like I'm a great sketcher or anything like that, but I do enjoy sketching at the eyepiece. And if, if I had never had the opportunity to see, um, several people sketching while we were observing, I, I never would have done it because sketching, um, I, I don't have any artistic background. I, I don't, I'm not really, um, that good. Uh, at sort of any kind of thing that 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 is in in the arts um however i really do love it and i really do appreciate it so like i'd love you know if we're traveling somewhere to go to an art gallery or you know if if i do meet somebody who who you know is an artist you know i just love seeing the work that they've created you know i just love that kind of stuff but i really don't have those kind of skills but um what i've been fortunate enough to be able to do and there's several people that i learned from um kind of like in no particular order are like my, you know, my friend Kathleen. Um, she spent a lot of time, like in the field, she was drawing a sunspots one day, which was really helpful for me because we're in daylight. And so we, we were observing together one weekend, we'd actually gone together, just the two of us to do a session with um, the national parks. And she's a French speaking person and they, you know, do things in both official languages here. And during the day we were just like, 
you know, hanging out or whatever. And she's just always observing and, and doing interesting stuff. And so she was sketching. So after I really could see sort of the mechanics of how she was doing that, um, I then really caught the bug to, to really learn. And so uh, then around the same time, uh, Mark Bratton, who wrote the book on the Herschel objects, um, that the name escapes me at the moment, uh, but, but I was with Mark and, uh, and I think he was just finishing it at that time and he was sketching uh, the Veil Nebula. And what surprised me about uh, Mark's sketches and, and as well with Kathleen is how fast they were doing it. So I always assumed that astronomical sketching was something that people um, who were doing it uh, really worried about at the eyepiece. Then they'd be out there and they'd be kind of, you know, sort of grinding away on it. Um, whereas in reality, um, you know, their, their pencil strokes were very quick and precise and they had it sort of a technique down for doing it and they were able to do it really fast. And that really surprised me so that they could observe many, many objects in a night and get all these sketches off. So um, I was really happy to, to learn that because I knew that I just wouldn't have the patience and anything that would take that long to produce a sketch. I knew that I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, and then as well, my, my friend Randall, um, uh, he came and stayed here for a while during the transit of Venus and, and showed me some other sketching techniques and kind of like the list goes on and on. Uh, Mike's done some sketching and shown me a few things. And so has Rick and, and other people. Um, and it's, it's all those individuals, all those sort of real world astronomy friends observing with them in the field, um, which, you know, they, they taught me to sketch. I have some books in that on it, but if I hadn't seen um, people that I know that I know are um, you know, special people, but, you know, they're regular people and they're able to produce these really cool uh, sketches. If, if I hadn't seen that sheen, I never would have, I never would have been able to sketch anything. So that's something that I hundred percent learned from people in the field, my friends in the field. And I, I really appreciate them for that. Yeah, for sure. That's a cool, that's a cool story. Um, just about how you, you learn to sketch through observation of others. Um, and, and just to circle back, uh, Mark's book, uh, the official title, and it's an awesome book. If you're into the Herschel objects, uh, the title is the complete guide to the Herschel objects, uh, Sir William Herschel's star clusters, nebulae and galaxies by Mark Bratton. So if anybody's interested, get that one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a tremendous book and, uh, Mark's uh, just such a great observer and, uh, and, and a great teacher too, because, you know, I, I, I spent several nights with him over the course of several years and, and he, uh, you know, he really taught, um, you know, some of those techniques to me again, um, and how, you know, you, you can look at his, his, his sketches. Some of them are in the book. I don't think he put them all in, but I believe he did sketch them all as well. And I, I've been to his home and, and, uh, had the privilege of seeing, uh, many of those sketches, and, uh, and again, I, you know, as impressive as the book is, as impressive as the sketches are, and as impressive as it is that somebody could go and, and actually hunt down all that stuff, um, what really blew me away is sort of what was, what was unseen, kind of like the making of the hot dogs, I always like to say, and how quickly um, he was able to find things and confirm them and sketch them um, was just really, really impressive. Anyway, I, I shouldn't go on about that too much. <laughs> no, I, I think that's pretty cool. And, and that, that's a great example of, of certainly learning from others. Um, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy about observing with friends outside of the, like, again, just like the laughter and the conversations we have is the varying gear that we'll be observing with, you know, like, 
you, you and I have talked about this on previous podcasts, but like, um, you know, Mike usually has a 12 inch ref, uh, reflector. Um, lately you've been bringing the, the four inch tack out and then, you know, sometimes I'll bring out, uh, you know, various apertures of, of refractors. And usually what we end up with is, is three different telescopes. Yeah. And it's fun to compare the views and the different eyepieces and, and, uh, uh, and different objects, because we're not all looking at the same thing usually. Yeah. And that's, that's really important. Um, and, and people should, cause I know a lot of the time we, we kind of get, um, put under the umbrella of, of people that are just using small scopes. Um, and that's true to, to a certain extent in that those are the ones that, that we own and have sort of chosen for whatever reason to, to be sort of like our, our primary instruments. Um, we have owned larger instruments in the past, both of us. And then as well, um, we kind of have in, in a way like sort of surrounded ourselves with people who have um, larger instruments and we observe with them frequently. So, you know, like I'm probably... 20% of my observing is done in a 12 inch. Um, thanks to Mike, um, at least 20%, maybe, maybe sometimes Mike feels like at least half my observing is done in 12 inch and, and I'm, I'm stealing too many views. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but we certainly do lots of observing with, uh, with people with, with larger apertures, uh, like Rick has a 10. And I think, I think, um, I think Kathleen's is a 10 as well. And, and we have other friends that have like nine and eight inch and different size telescopes. And I know Mark's brought his 18 inch down a bunch of times to observe with. So, you know, we are able to, uh, to get those views through the larger instruments. And maybe if, uh, if we didn't have those opportunities, like if I was just a solo observer, well, I probably would have gotten Mac together to get my 12 inch running. Um, whereas in, in my current situation, um, it just doesn't make sense. If I want a 12 inch, I call Mike and say, Hey, look, I really want to go and observe this. And, and Mike has never said no, <laughs> like he's always been like, let's, let's do it. When do you want to go? When is it going to be clear? Like, where is it? Like, send me a chart, like send me the court, like, you know, we go out and, and, and he's always so great about helping to hunt it down. And then we have this, this great fun session together. And that's way better than, you know, if I just sort of have my own scope and then, you know, here I am trying to manage different scopes in the field and blah, blah, blah. It, it's, it, it makes it a better experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's awesome that way. And, and I definitely observe way more, like a lot more objects when we're observing with friends, um, you know, by myself, I usually have enough stamina to find, you know, I guess, depending on the night, um, anywhere from probably three to five, maybe yep. a couple more objects. But when I'm observing with like you and Mike or whoever might be with us, um, I double or triple usually what I observe because somebody else has already gone through the effort of finding an object and framing mm -hmm. it. And then you just, you walk up, you have a quick look and, and, you know, another object can be added to your list. Yeah, no, no, exactly. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned stamina, you know, and, and I've seen this sort of, um, on all sides of the fence, you know, um, as, as observers, you know, we're out and we're staying up late and we're getting tired and, uh, we can kind of help keep each other going. And, and, uh, you know, you've probably noticed this as well. Often I'll observe for a while and I'll go to bed and sleep for an hour or two, and then I'll, I'll get back up again. So sometimes we're doing public observing and maybe it's been a long drive and I've been busy doing like, maybe I'll, I'll do a couple presentations or something like that. And then, you know, I kind of observe for an hour or so, but I'm kind of bagged by 11 o'clock or something. And, you know, there's still like people kind of milling around, like trying to get some views in, but it's not like a lot of people. So you guys will sometimes go and handle that. And I'll just go and, and lay down and get an hour or two of sleep and then wake back up. And then Mike's still 
he's still going strong. And I'm like, Hey, like, what are you looking at? Like, what are we observing? Like, let's get going. We've got two more hours of, uh, or three hours of, of good dark sky before the sun comes up. Like, let's make some use of it. And then, you know, we observe until you can start to see that sort of pale gray light of dawn kind of creeping into, to your dark skies. Right. It's, it's pretty cool to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, it is a lot of fun. Yeah. So I've had some, uh, some strange experiences observing kind of, I, I put these down kind of, these, these are things where, where um, some strange stuff happened. I was really happy that I was not alone when these things occurred. <laughs> I don't know. Could I go over these? I just thought it was funny, kind of funny things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, let's see. Uh, one of the first people I observed a lot with was, uh, was my friend Graham. Uh, unfortunately, he's, he's no longer with us, but um, <clears throat> he and I went to a new spot and uh and we weren't even there long and all these cars pulled up and like, not far from us. We were, we're on, we're at a field, but like fields in Nova Scotia aren't as big as the fields here. So they're only maybe like a hundred to less than 200 meters away. And, uh, and all these people get out and they had lights and it was like really, really weird. And then um, we left, um, we went just somewhere nearby and, and observed, but we were kind of like unnerved by it. It was pretty strange. And then uh, later on, I was observing with, with another friend of mine in Ontario, Tim, and I told Tim this story and he said the same thing happened to him, but he knew what they were and, and they were wormers. And I, I guess like there's people that work as wormers and they go out to certain sanctioned fields and they, uh, they have these little hand rakes and they, they pull worms out of the ground for bait shops and, and different things uh, of that sort. But it was kind of weird, right? Like, like there's, there are things that happen that as astronomers or amateur astronomers that we see and experience that most people may never see. Like I had no idea that occurs and that occurs um, in lots of places and, and people may have seen it, but you know, when you, when you're an amateur astronomer and you're out in a field and suddenly all these people show up and it, it's just sort of a strange thing. Um, let's see uh, what, what else, what else has happened? Well, I've uh, I've had my battery die. Uh, on at least one occasion, maybe two, like where I went to start my car and click, click, like absolutely nothing happened. And, and if I wasn't with somebody, I would still be there. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. Has your battery ever died when you've gone observing? No, 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 never had that issue. Yeah. I, I have, um, you know, here I always, always have the, the CAA card in my pocket. If, if I'm going alone, I, I've always got that card with me. Um, you know, and I try to keep the, the jumper cables and that, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. I, I was there and, um, uh, was actually at a friend's house. It was kind of like, he sort of had a similar setup to, to the place that I have where he placed down the way and he had observed for a while and got tired and went to bed or went down. And, and then like an hour later, I went to start my car and it wouldn't start. So I just walked down, knocked on the door and he's like, Oh yeah, I'll just come up and jump you in, walked up, jumped the car and, and, uh, way I went, it wasn't any big deal. Um, so I was really happy that, that I had uh, gone observing with somebody that night. Cause often I wasn't observing with people in those days. Um, I've had a friend actually, this has happened a few times where people have locked their keys in their car. Um, I think that's happened at least on three occasions with, with, I think in every province I've lived in, I've seen that happen to somebody. Um, and either, you know, we have to call and, and get CAA out to, to let them in. Or on one occasion I had to drive somebody back and then somebody else drove them back out. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. Um, let's see one fall. Yeah. Mike and I went out and, you know, somebody had forgotten stuff. Um, 
you know, this past fall, I went out with Mike and I had all my gear. Um, it was sort of my first time going out after like observing at my site where I have all my stuff and I get out there, have my scope, tripod, mount, everything, eyepieces, gloves, hat, proper outdoor pants. And I'd forgotten my coat and Mike showed up and he had a spare coat with him. So the <laughs> night was saved. It, you know, it, it seems strange, like little things like that, but, uh, but there we go. Like, you know, it's, it's easy enough to forget a coat or something small. I think on another occasion, I think kind of feel like in the spring, Mike and I had gone out and he'd forgotten his gloves and it was like a minus three night or something. And I think on that night I had a spare pair of gloves for some reason. And, you know, it, it's amazing how often that happens that the one piece of whatever it is that you have forgotten the other person, um, just happen to have a spare whatever of, right? Whether it's a coat or gloves or who knows. I don't know. Has that ever happened to you? That's happened to me quite a few times. I'm trying to think if I've ever really forgotten anything major. I think I've, you know, I've forgotten like red flashlights occasionally or my sky Atlas. Um, I'm usually pretty good at remembering the essentials, but um, yeah, it seems to me like one time I left a diagonal behind or something like that and was like, yeah. well, I guess uh, it's good. I brought binoculars because I'm not using anything else tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another time recently when I'm serving with Mike came out and he forgot, I think he forgot the tube rings or something like that. He couldn't get a scope mounted up. So we just observed with my scope. I think that's what happened. He had binoculars or maybe something else and, uh, and sort of had, had a bit of an altered plan, but was still able to get lots of observing in because we were observing together. And then I think, I think honestly, like the next time I went out, I think I forgot my two brains. And so just observed yours 12 inch that night. I think literally we had that almost back to back um, in the, in the early fall. I think he came out to observe with me and forget his rings. And I think literally um, the next time we observed together, I forgot my rings. I think that's exactly what happened. It was something like that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that can happen too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as kind of on a side note, what I've tried to do is, is like everything I need is in like two containers, you know, mm-hmm. like I've got a eyepiece case and then I've got like, a another case that has flashlights and pens and paper and atlases and lists and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so that hopefully if I grab, you know, the two containers, I have everything I need. Although yeah. occasionally I've taken something out of one of the containers and didn't put it back. And then I'm, you know, hoping one of my friends has something to save me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of friends, save me. you've actually saved me a few times. Um, you probably remember this. I think on at least one occasion, um, you've, you've provided me with the life-sustaining um, magical water um, because where we go, it can be extremely dry. And I think especially when I first moved out here, I was never taking enough water with me and you were always forever supplying me with additional water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like, yeah, I, I never quite understood what was going on there, but you, um, you definitely wanted to push the limit on how much water you, you needed to bring. <laughs> I was just learning, like, I didn't know. So out, out here, it's really, really dry. And I'm usually someone that, you know, I have a glass of water here now, and I don't know, I'll probably drink another glass of water through the day. I'll probably drink three cups of water, maybe had some coffee with breakfast and a little bit of tea you know, I might drink a liter, a liter and a half of water, but when, when you go down to where we're going down, it's a desert and you need what, like about four liters of water minimum a day, minimum four liters, I think, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That sounds right. Anyway. And like I said, I'm not from a place that's this dry originally. And so for me, 
Um, I just got to be drinking all the time and I'll just, I mean, I, I feel like I could just drink water till, you know, uh, constantly it seems. So um, I was always like burning through my water. So anyway, I, I kind of solved that, um, just, just through different, different planning. But, uh, yeah. So typically I bring four liters a day. Plus I bring about another, uh, three liters a day for drinking. Um, so then I've almost got twice what I, what I need. And, and honestly, I usually have enough now, almost, almost always have enough now, but, uh, but anyway, I, I appreciate your help during those early days and, uh, you know, you can rib me properly for that. It's fine. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it on the list. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, one time I burned myself. Do you remember that? I burned myself yep. pretty good. Yep. Remember that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, this is no joke. And it makes me sound like I'm probably like the worst person to go observe with. I forget things. I burn myself. I run out of water. Um, but when you're observing this much, like this isn't like we go observing once a year and sometimes things happen. Like there was that one. No, no. It's like, you know, we're, we're observing so much. Um, like, I don't know how many times I observed this year, probably 60 or 80 times or something. And probably 35 of those times I was, I was observing with somebody maybe, and um, maybe not quite that much this year because you know, it was a little bit still pandemic stuff. So maybe 25 times I was observing with people, but you know, when, when you're observing like maybe up to 40, 50 times a year um, with somebody um, stuff's going to happen, right? It's just, that that's just life really. You know, you pick 40 or 50 days and you're going out into um, some pretty remote and inhospitable areas and uh yeah, stuff happens. Yeah, yeah, it definitely can. Yeah. Anyway, you you had like some special magic elixir and got got my hand fixed up and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, could, yeah, could be could be bad, could be bad. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, one thing I put down here is that uh, it can get boring waiting for it to get dark. <laughs> it's fun to hang out with people while you're waiting for it to get dark. For sure, and like if you've gone on a. Uh, like kind of in the same vein, if you've gone on a trip for astronomy, so you're gone for the weekend, um, you may even get some nights where it doesn't clear up or you have mm. adverse weather and you're just sitting around kind of wasting time. It's, uh, it's just nice to have people around to talk to. And again, to, you know, tell stories and have some laughs and, uh, make the time pass a little faster. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, it can be a little bit unsettling, like unsettling, like where, where we go um, can be, I mean, it, it is extremely remote. Like it is like, you're really going out into pretty remote places. Um, we have lots of coyotes. Um, there's cougar, there's, there's other things around. Um, not that anything has ever happened with any animals. I don't think anything has happened other than like the odd ground squirrel, um, you know, getting in somebody's tent. I think that's about the most traumatic thing. Oh, rattlesnakes. We have like lots of rattlesnakes, um, that have been observed in and around, like where, where we're setting up telescopes and that sort of thing. So, um, well, I did get bitten by a black widow once, but it didn't really, that really didn't bother me as much as I thought it might. Um, and let's see. Yeah. So it can be a bit unsettling just, just because you're really far away from stuff. And, you know, the, the one thing that always gets me is the deer, you know, in the grasslands, um, it's so remote. Um, I feel like there's deer out there that have never even seen another person and they're curious and they, they'll kind of come up to us. Like even when we've been observing around, like sometimes the deer will be around the bison can come around. That can be kind of a bit concerning and it feels better when you have other people around kind of when there's just animals, just, just out there in, in the wilderness. Eh? So 
yeah, I, I don't know what your thoughts are. Just being out in the dark and having animals around, it feels better when there's when there's other people there, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's comfort knowing that you know you're not by yourself, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, and then like at, at my site, I know there's that deer, and it kind of just goes crash around the woods. I think the deer came up to you when, when we were out there observing once this summer, didn't it? Well, not, not up to me. They were in the bush, uh, pretty close, but, um, <laughs> they, they didn't come out of the bush. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been just sitting there and the deer has walked by me. Um, it's just a deer. It's not a big deal or anything, but it's kind of a bit like it's dark. It's at night, it's 3am and you know, you hear the strange noise and it's just this deer is just like walking around. I mean, you know, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's one of those things it can kind of be a bit like, Whoa. You know, there's a deer there, but typically if you're observing with somebody, um, a deer won't come right up to you. Um, and I was observing, uh, by myself once in the grasslands and, uh, I don't know why, but the deer just got really curious and, and he or she came right up to me. Um, and, uh, you know, I let out like a big scream and it turned around and, and jumped away and like, literally like the wind from the deer turning around, like I could feel it. It was like right there. Um, so yeah, not, not that it's like a big deal, but, uh, but yeah, because we're, we're out and we're doing stuff that is a little bit unusual. Like typically if people are out at night, they're going to have lights around, they're going to be making lots of noise, uh, might have a fire going, maybe, you know, partying up a little or something, or, or, or at least having lots of good loud conversation, but something else that's out at night, kind of quietly moving around and, and not making much noise and not having a lot of, um, you know, life to them. Uh, might might be an attraction for animals for sure. Like I've definitely had lots of uh, different animals kind of walk. Remember the night we had we had a coyote walk up to us one night uh, when there was a bunch of us together. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. It got within probably what seventy yards or so. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't real close. But I think if I think if um, you were there by yourself, I think if somebody was alone, I bet you it would have come within you know a few feet. Because um, mm. considering there, I think there was five or six of us, and it, we could kind of caught a sort of a glimpse of it and it, it did kind of start walking up to us. Um, it was just curious, you know, what are these things doing? Like, it's just unusual, I think, um, for animals to see, uh, to see, you know, pe- people around at night that aren't making noise and are being quiet and are just kind of gradually moving around. Um, just seems like we're not the, the typical human creature that's sort of loud and bright and obnoxious, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's next here? How to meet observing friends? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's jump down to that. So, uh, yeah. How, how how do you meet other? Uh, I, you know, I really want to put a, like a joke in here about you know what a what a something like a dating app would look like for amateur astronomers trying to meet. But we try to keep this content uh, good for all ages. But and anyway, so what what do you suggest for how to meet other observing friends? Um, well, for me, the, the way I've met the, the majority or maybe all of my observing friends is through uh, the local astronomy club. At one point um, or another, we were all members mm. and uh, would observe that way. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a great way. If you have a local club, uh, you can join up. Uh, you will meet some like-minded people, although not everybody in the club actually does observe, you know, the various people will, will join a club for, you know, different interests, but um, that's one potential. Um, and then another one um, is if you can uh, get uh, get yourself to like one of the big star parties or not even a big star party, but if there's an organized event, um, uh, usually the local astronomy clubs will, will be the organizer, but 
you can um, you can go attend these things, set up your gear or not. Sometimes just walk around and you know if if you say hi to folks, they'll they'll let you look through you know their telescope and you can strike up some interesting conversations. Um, you know, one one year at the Saskatchewan Summer Star Party my wife and I were having supper in the restaurant and there's like 300 astronomers that come to this thing. So 300 people kind of overwhelm the infrastructure sometimes in these uh, provincial parks and the restaurant was packed full of astronomers. And my wife and I were sitting at a table for four with two empty chairs. So another husband and wife that were there for the star party that we had never met before asked if they could sit down because they wanted to have supper too. So we said, sure. And, you know, ended up actually, uh, you know, talking for quite a while. And then we observed together later on. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. That's really good. Um, oh, I was going to say all my observing sort of in reference to my earlier joke on like what a dating app would look anyway, all my observing friends are good lookers get it because mm-hmm, they're astronomers. Mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm, had, had to put that one in there. Um, yeah, star parties. That definitely is that, that is a really great place to go to meet because, and, uh, and when I first came to Saskatchewan, that was the first thing I did is, is I went to, to the star party and then, then you kind of get to know like who's, who's observing really, um, more or less, um, as well. I know there's been like some meetup groups, like in different, different places I've been, they've had meetup groups for people to get together and do some observing. There's been some Facebook groups and, the one thing this kind of surprised me is, um, so I teach this astronomy class. I'm just getting ready to teach my first class uh, this year, this week. And it's mostly like older adults, like uh, adults, you know, and uh, and a lot of people have sort of met up uh, in my class. And I, I remember there was, there was a group of, uh, of women who had kind of wanted to, you know, start going out and doing like, like more than just like, you know, looking at the stars when they were camping with their families or whatever, but um, they kind of wanted other people to, to go with for, for obvious reasons, you know, and um, sort of gradually over the course of a few classes, um, they forged like this, this group of observers and they would go out and do some like, you know, every few months or so, I don't know if they're still doing it or not. It's been, been a couple of years since I've seen them. Um, but I know that they were doing this even after they'd all stopped taking the class. And that was super cool. And I went out to the star party once and they were all there like observing together and having a great time. And, uh, so it was really cool to kind of touch back to them. I, I had gone to give a talk, they came to the talk and, but then they had, like, they had like plans, like this is what we're doing. And we all have our binoculars and a couple of them had telescopes. And then they would go around and look through other people's telescopes. And so, um, they kind of met in an astronomy class. I know there's lots of these astronomy classes that are taught just for fun. And then, uh, yeah, pe- people come and, uh, and they kind of forge some, some relationships there to, uh, to actually start doing astronomy, uh, together in the field. And they liked it because they were all kind of at the same level, like getting binoculars and sort of learning a few things. And so they would go out together and sort of, uh, kind of bring each other along. Right. And then, uh, and then there was like a good measure of safety. Um, they were going to places that were familiar to them all. They would, you know, kind of all pile into a car together. So, um, you know, worked out really well. They're all kind of looking for the same sort of thing and, uh, and a, and a group experience for, for safety and for learning purposes. And, and then as well, like, uh, when you go to a star party, um, you know, for some people, for other people, it's not going to matter, but some people want to go and, uh, and, but they want to have like a few people to go with. Right. And that's cool. You know, everybody's like their own person. So I think they enjoyed that as well because they could go and kind of hang out together and then kind of go and meet other people as well. So that was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Um, and then as well, like sort of from, from my class, like we have uh, individuals uh, actually, as I was making this up, this is, <laughs> this is not made up, but I was making up this, these notes um, over, over the past day or so. And as I was making these up, somebody who, who has come observing with us before, who I'd met through this, the class that I teach, they sent me an email and said, um, when are you going um, observing the summer to like such and such a place? And so I said, Hey, great. Like, this is when we're going and it'd be great if you can join us kind of thing. And, uh, so yeah, um, we do get, uh, people who, who get in touch and, and they just want to come observing. So, uh, that works out pretty, pretty good too. So, so yeah, let's see what else. Um, yeah, we talked about clubs a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes in the clubs though, um, and I think we've talked about this in the past, like there, there can be a bit of a clubby culture, right? In a way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, go on, uh, with, I, with this and, uh, you know, I may challenge, we'll see. <laughs> okay. uh, all I mean by that is that some people join clubs, they tend to join clubs, right. And, yeah. and that's all there really is to it. There might not, there, there's lots of people who join like the astronomy club and they might not be into observing. And then this kind of cuts two ways. And so one of the way that it cuts, like, I know I belong to, I think five or six different astronomy clubs kind of sort of, but um, you know, sometimes as observers, like we're getting together, we're going observing together, forging friendships and, and doing this activity, but then kind of on the club front, there's people that kind of join just to sort of run the club and they're kind of, they're sort of kind of sort of engaged in astronomy, but sometimes you can get labeled as it's sometimes you have to be careful in this, you get labeled as sort of being part of a clique or something because you know, you're all kind of going off and doing this activity together, but then there's sort of the people that, uh, that, that do kind of just join to run the club or just sort of have some uh, social interaction might, might not be as, as diehard into the, uh, the astronomy. And then you get lots of people who are into just like the astrophysics or armchair astronomy. And, uh, and, and they're not like us, they're, they're not really looking to even go observing or anything like that. For sure. Yeah. You, you, with any club, you, you end up, I think with people joining for different reasons or that have different interests and certainly not everybody in an astronomy club is into visual astronomy. Some will be into astrophotography or, or whatever, but, um, if the, if the club is, well, uh, size doesn't even really matter actually, but, um, you know, it's still, uh, I think it's still a good opportunity to, to find some like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I guess the, uh, the, the caveat is not everybody may have the same interests, which can also accelerate some of the learning too. Um, yeah. you know, you can end up with some interesting diversity. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And it's just, uh, just to kind of keep, keep that in check and different clubs have sort of different, um, you know, they, they can have different focuses from, from time to time. And, uh, and yeah, so just, just by joining club, like you, you could join a club and sort of be, like one of the few people that, that goes out and does, does astronomy. So, but yeah, usually you can find a few people who kind of feel like size is a pretty good indicator. Like I think here, I think the club is like, or it had about 40 or 50 people when I joined anyway, I think there's like four or five people that kind of really went out to do astronomy on any, any sort of real seriousness or regular basis. I think that's about right. Sort of like one in 10, which, which might seem low to people, but um, and, and then, the, you know, I know at, uh, the club I belong to in Waterloo, they had like a separate observers group almost, and we'd get like uh, 20 or 30 people out to those sessions. So anyway, kind of, it can vary, it can vary a little bit. Um, so just by joining a club, you might kind of have to, uh, sort of be around for a while and kind of poke and prod and find out who, who the observers are, 
um, like who, who is going observing and, and where, do, where do they go observing um, and that sort of thing. So anyway, uh, just one of those things. Um, let's just see what else do I have on here. Oh yeah. And some people are just really more into the outreach of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, some people really enjoy that part of it and, and that's where they do the majority of their observing. Yeah. Um, and that's fun too. Um, I get, I, I, I really enjoy public observing. It's, it's often quite rewarding. Yeah. And that can be a great way to, to meet other people as well. I know like over mm-hmm. the years, just like in our own um, public observing that, that we've done uh, like together as sort of our own small group, uh, you know, in, in future years sometimes. Um, and I know this, this happens uh, a fair bit. Um, even, even during the pandemic, we had somebody um, who, who came down because they had attended the public outreach sessions in the past and they don't live anywhere near where the astronomy club is. Um, but they had gone out and sort of started doing astronomy on their own after attending the outreach sessions. And then they came down and they had like their own 10 inch. And I know this happened like several times have their own telescope and set it up. And, you know, they kind of sort of join in and, and sort of start doing the, the outreach with us more so than just, just being somebody who, who is uh, attending the event. And that's, uh, that's pretty cool to see as well. So we go from, um, going out and doing public outreach and having attendees and then, uh, you know, and, and doesn't, you know, happen all the time, but from time to time, those, some of those attendees turn into, uh, people that would just end up, uh, having joined us to actually do the astronomy bit. And then they kind of hang out afterwards and stay up all night and, and do the observing with us. So, so that sort of is, is another way, sort of a, a surprising way that we can meet other astronomers. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, I guess like on, on that note, even like with, uh, some of the parks, um, uh, they can be great ways to meet other astronomers. Like I know I was down in, um, th- there's a little park that, uh, one of the, uh, former Saskatchewan parks people run and, uh, and her and I sort of had, had struck a bit of a communication over email or whatever. And she said, Oh, you should come down. So I went down one time and then she kind of emailed a bunch of other people and, um, I just kind of brought my scope and figured out oh, I'd just be observing by myself or whatever. And then suddenly there was like six or seven other amateur astronomers that just sort of randomly showed up because they heard that there was sort of another amateur astronomer who was going to be there that night. So it kind of made it, uh, you know, a bit of an event where we all sort of got together in the same spot and set up because typically they all would have just been like wherever on that night just was a night that worked out for everybody. And that was super cool. So um, sometimes through the parks, you can meet other people. And I know that, uh, with like the grasslands, um, park, which is a completely different park than what I was just talking about. Um, like our friend Caitlin, um, you know, who's an amateur astronomer all on her own. And then sometimes she'll be like, Oh, there's this person who is interested or whatever. And she'll just like send like a random email about somebody who maybe is, is interested in astronomy and, um, you know, really, really good, uh, to connect, uh, yeah, with, with new and, and interesting people, uh, to go do some astronomy with. So yeah, it can be pretty good. Yeah. And, and maybe just a, a bit of a plug or, or, you know, some advance notice for folks, like if you want to travel or if you're in the neighborhood and, uh, want to meet some astronomers, uh, we'll be in East block of Grasslands National Park. Uh, looks like May 27th and 28th is the event this year. And then in West block, uh, on July 29th and 30th. Hmm. Yeah, that should be good. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, always fun. Um, I know we're getting a lot more people than we used to, which is great. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Those are much larger events. Like, uh, in the early days, there might've been four or five people. And I think, you know, if there was five people, four of them were probably family of park staff. 
Um, but now it's a couple hundred people uh, is not uncommon, at least before the, the whole COVID thing kicked in. But um, they, they may limit numbers again this summer, I guess we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, we got limited last year uh, when I went down to do it. And I, I know not everybody who, who kind of wanted to come um, was either comfortable coming or couldn't come or whatever, um, just because it's still like, you know, the, the whole business with COVID. And then like the numbers were kind of fluctuating. Like we had a lot more interest than we could actually deliver um, programming for just simply we didn't have as many people who were coming to deliver it. And then because it's a government sanctioned event, um, we could only have so many people out at any given time feel like the limit was like 50 or so, I want to say. So then what we end up doing is just kind of spreading it over um, a couple nights and uh, it was safe. Uh, you know, people, I think pretty much everybody wore masks. I wore a mask, everybody wore masks and we um, had chairs, the park set up chairs. So chairs were all like spread apart and it was all outside. And uh, you know, they had, they had, you know, done a lot to make sure it was uh, a good safe event. Um yeah. And, uh, yeah, I went attended and everybody was, was safe and healthy and happy. And yeah, it was, it was a good time. Uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully this year that, that we can get through this. Although probably for the event in May, uh, probably there will still be some, some restrictions I imagine. So yeah, we'll see how that goes mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Anything else, anything else you want to, yeah, it's, it's good to have people to, to observe with. I, I always enjoy observing with people. You know, I know when I first get into it, I, uh, I observe alone like i would sometimes get like a friend or a relative or somebody who wanted to come or or somebody maybe that was interested but uh yeah i i was observing uh pretty much on my own for probably the first i want to say six or seven years like a while probably too long i wish i'd kind of gone to some club stuff or done stuff sooner but it's the way Mm -hmm. it is yeah yeah but where, where I grew up and, you know, so like as, as you're, you know, as a 17 or 18 year old or whatever, when I was getting into it, there was a local club. Um, but kind of one of the things that, that I learned a lot from, uh, from astronomy and, and being involved um, and, and getting to know all the, all the different people is that, um, well, like if, if you just want to hang out with people that are your age that kind of look like you, well, you might not uh, have as many astronomy friends uh, because, <laughs> Uh, you know, like when I get into it and I was so young, nobody, nobody, my age was really doing it. And, uh, so I kind of felt like when I was going to these things, I felt like, oh, like I felt kind of a bit weird because uh, the people that were closest to me in age would be like the children of the observers. They would be like my age now. And, uh, I always felt like that seemed kind of weird to me. And then I was like, oh, these, all these, you know, older people or whatever, um, it just sort of felt a bit, a bit funny, but then kind of, you know, after a few years and kind of, you know, going to some other events, I was just like, well, you know, you just got to kind of embrace it all. And, you know, you meet all kinds of different people of all kinds of different ages and, uh, you know, um, you know, as well, like people that have, you know, all kinds of different backgrounds that, that you may never have otherwise uh, met or, or, uh, you know, learn all kinds of different stuff from that. Uh, there's no way you would, you would learn as much about, about life and observing and astronomy as you would, uh, if you didn't kind of just sort of relax into uh, getting to know all these different people. Right. So anyway, that's sort of my, my last bit, I guess. Sounds good, sir. Yeah. Anything else to add? Nope. That is all. All right. Well, uh, yeah, people should, uh, should reach out, try to find some other people to observe with. Definitely. You can learn uh, lots about, uh, people and observing and, uh, yeah, 
have uh, have some good times under the stars. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <laughs>